Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today we have Toby DeRoche from Walters Kluwer, uh, basically teammate, <laughs> probably better known as teammate, or at least the product they sell as teammate. And something that kind of stuck out to me when we were talking, or two things was, were that Toby said at one point that the application is only there to facilitate the process. And then later he says that if if they or you know audit or the uh, folks using the software are completely depending on the tool, then it won't work. And that really stood out to me just because it's Toby's job effectively to uh, market and sell Teammate and the line of products that Walter Spluer has. And even he's saying, look, just because you have the tool doesn't mean it's going to fix all your problems. So I thought that was uh, really interesting and, and good points made by him. There's a couple links in the show notes that I wanted to uh, talk about. So Toby's speaking at the ISACA and IAA GRC conference in Austin. So it's scheduled still for August. And there's a um, there's a note on the website, the IAA website anyway, that basically says uh, if you sign up and we cancel it, then you get your money back. So no worries there. But um, he's speaking on auditing at the pace of change, which sounds like a, an agile audit type discussion, which is a lot of what we talked about on the show. So um, that should be pretty good. I also pointed to uh, teammatesolutions.com slash insights. This is a pretty nice website. It's got filters on it for the different categories. So like analytics, audit controls, and then you can even just filter like, hey, I just want to read the blog post on analytics. Or I just want to watch the webinars on analytics. So this is Walter's Kluwer's, um, their blogs and webinars and all that kind of centrally hosted. So it's a pretty nice website that Toby mentions. And also there is a white paper, um, Evolving Cyber Risks in a COVID-19 World. And it's pretty high level, but what's great about it is that it, it is not written for IT people. So if you're not in IT, this is still can add some value. And I read it to be frank, just because Toby talked about it and I felt like I had to. Uh, it's pretty quick. I think it's only like 10 pages and uh, it's not, you know, eight font or anything like that. So it's, it doesn't take too long to read, but there were a couple things that I had not considered relative to working remote. So it's actually a really good, um, white paper that he put together and lastly so like i said we are talking agile audit 
throughout some of the episode. And Toby's done his research and read a lot of books and said, hey, if you're in audit, the the book is uh, it's called Active Auditing, A Practical Guide to Lean and Agile Auditing, uh, written by Prescott Coleman. And I will tell you, since talking to Toby, I've bought the book and am in the middle of it. And just get like if you have like a Kindle or something, just do the sample and read the first you know, chapter or whatever. It's it's really good. So I highly recommend it. So, all right, that is enough of me talking. Here we go. So my name's Toby DeRoche. Um, my background is all internal audit. I was an internal audit manager with uh, Macy's for about four years before going over to work for Teammate at Walters Kluwer. And I had actually been working with Teammate the whole time. So it was a pretty easy transition for me to go from working in the field as an auditor using the tool to be more of a consultant for people who are looking for applications and tools to make their audit process better. And I've been with Teammate now for 10 years and worked with hundreds and hundreds of departments. So I've seen a little bit of everything, like across all industries, all sectors. Um, see what works, what doesn't, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything we do inside of audit. Um, a lot of the work that I do is really working with departments who are trying to become more mature. And so they are figuring out where they are in the world in terms of like, are they just meeting the standards? Or are they adding value to their organization? Are they a partner to their organization? So where along that whole maturity spectrum are they? So are they somewhere in the middle? Are they really on their fringes? Are they becoming real thought leaders in, in the world? Or are they just trying to figure out even where to start? Right. So all across the entire spectrum and really digging into their processes and figuring how to make it all better. Okay. And so from doing that, what have you seen in the last 10 years, the people that, what's the quickest way they can make a jump, I guess? So what's the quickest way someone can jump, take the next step on the maturity model? Yeah, the first is to figure out where they are. <laughs> people have to be really honest about what they can and can't do. And once you start to, to peel it all back and understand, so I am really not doing risk-based auditing. And then how do, I, how do I get to that next step? We use technology as kind of like a leveraging point for everything. Because if they're trying to get from point A to point B and they don't know how to get there, we look for tools that actually facilitate it. So like if someone's trying to, they're trying to do more risk-based auditing and we find out whether well, their risk assessment's based in Excel, it's all you know, heavy Q&A, they're still in the what keeps you up at night kind of conversations. And they're not really getting to the more analytical version of that. They're not really seeing you know, beyond impact likelihood, what else do I need to think about? And then how do I carry that forward into the audit? We look for tools that we put in place that actually help them do that. So they're, they're coming up with a more formulaic approach to a risk assessment, coming up with a better way to engage management in those conversations and then pull all that stuff together and go right into the audit with it. Yeah, and so, and technology's not necessarily the, the thing that's gonna help i mean it's going to be the thing that helps but it's not you, hey you just implement this tool right and now you have the process in place so um what's usually the first step i guess and all right the tool's implemented and this is what we need to change is it just implementing a risk-based model or it's really a methodology shift for everything you know what you have to start with is getting the audit department on board you know and that's from the cae down you know it's 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 a Tone at the top is a real thing. 
so we have to really address it. And you have to look at this, like if the CAE is, is really pushing for this and they, then the audit department gets excited about it, they understand the value of it, then this technology is just a facilitator. Yeah. You know, this was something that we really saw within, especially over the last 10 years, we saw the rise of the GRC tools. And then they kind of fell off because it became clear GRC is a governance way. It's a way of working. It's not an application. You know, the application is only there to facilitate the process. And if they're completely depending on the tool, it doesn't work. Right. And so what we're looking for in any, any methodology shift is, do we have the department on board? Do we get management on board? Do they see the value? And really then it just needs to come up with a life of its own. It needs to be just the way that, that we work. And talking about methodology shifts, something that like we see all the time that's almost become a buzzword is agile, mm -hmm. agile audit. And I know it you know, started with software and agile software development and things like that. And now it's kind of uh, that methodology and that process has kind of bled over into audit. Mm -hmm. How have you seen that evolve and have you seen people do it effectively um, and how they've worked teammate or teammate plus mm -hmm. and agile together? You know, just can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, Agile Audit, I think, is amazing. Okay. I mean, from as far as methodologies go, I think it is, at this point, right now, where everybody needs to be heading. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we learned anything from the, the COVID outbreak, it was right. that audit plans can't be a year long. <laughs> you know, because if somebody came through and they built out their plan at the end of 2019, you threw it away in February right. of 2020. It was no longer relevant. It didn't mean anything. And the reality is we were always there. This just forced people to see it. Um, the IIA has been telling us to do quarterly audit uh, plans for, I can't tell you how long, it's been years, uh, at least five years, where they've been saying do quarterly risk assessments. Like if you're not looking at things at least quarterly, you're not doing your job. You can't say that what I looked at in October of one year is relevant in December a year and a half later. Like it doesn't work that way. Um, what Agile Audit really does is it forces us to deal with emerging risks. It forces us to take into account what insights we've picked up from management and from our own audit work, you know, and then as well as just what's going on in the world in the news. Like we take everything into account and we do it ongoing, you know, and what we see within Agile Audit is it also has its own maturity model, you know, so we've got groups that are coming in who are just taking that first step. And what they need is to be able to get out of that one year, two year, three year audit plan cycle and look at things on a quarterly basis. Um, technology obviously facilitates. So like within Teammate, what we do is we roll things forward from quarter to quarter, but it also absorbs like all of the things that you've learned in your audit process. So if you're truly doing a risk-based audit, all of the results, all of your residual scores, all of those issues, everything flows back and you're basically just doing this continuous cycle. And where this goes is an audit department might start off going to that quarterly basis, but in the end, our endpoint is continuous audit and continuous risk, where we can we can get out of this, you know, point in time mindset of looking at things as I'm going to do year at a time or a quarter at a time. We're basically are always assessing risk, and this is right in line with where the IA has been going, especially recently, of becoming more of a partner to the risk team, mm -hmm. working more hand in hand with risk management. Um, the first kind of exposure I had to Agile in terms of its effectiveness, because I've mm -hmm. heard about it, you see the headlines and things, um, was just in like the daily stand-up meetings. Yep. And 
you know, I asked like, what, you know, what's the point of this? How does it work? And it was basically you speak and you tell what roadblock is in your way. And so other people can effectively help clear it for you so you can continue making progress. Mm-hmm. That was explained to me instead of you know, the weekly meeting of, Hey, I met with Jan last week and uh, it went really well. It was like, right. I mean, that's great, but that literally does nothing for us. Like I met with Jan, I was supposed to get 50 invoices. Uh, that was a week and a half ago. I still don't have them. We may, maybe we need to escalate that and somebody could, you know, help us get the support that we need. Um, so I, that was my first exposure and I was like, this mm-hmm. is brilliant. You know, just that one little piece was brilliant. Oh yeah. Even when you go all the way through the process and you get to the end and part of the agile process are these retrospectives and, and as an audit team, you know, one of the things that we hear from across all the different groups is that they, they struggle with audit reporting mm-hmm. and they can't get the report out on time. And why is there so much pushback from management with these retrospectives you're actually doing essentially like a weekly quick debrief with management to say, here's what we found. I'm letting you know, here's what we found in the course of this week, here it is. And you're laying it out in such a way that you're stating the facts, getting some quick agreement, getting an initial response from them so that by the time you get to the end of a week, you know, from an agile process, like you said, it goes back to software, their goal was to have a deliverable product at the end of each cycle. And so it just continues cycle after cycle, churning out usable software. When we look at this from an audit perspective, if we take, you know, what might've been a traditional six week audit, you're no longer looking at it as six weeks, you're looking at it as six cycles. And at the end of each week, you're churning out an audit product, it's your report. And if at the end of that week, you'd had that retrospective, there's no longer any argument with management. Now you're to that point that they have already met with you, they've already had agreement. The report itself is a byproduct. And the report itself, when you really get into the standards, is irrelevant. Mm because there's no standard anywhere that requires you to make a report. That one more time? There is no standard anywhere in the IIA standards that requires you to make a report. Nice. The IIA requires communication. That's what the standards are about. They're all about communication. And if you covered that in a retrospective, you could immediately then release that issue out into your issue tracking system, whatever that might be. You don't have to wait on a written report. That whole piece of it is thinking back to, well, I didn't have another way, and this was my most effective form of communication was a written report that goes through 95 iterations and it gets PDF'd and signed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an older way of thinking that we have to get ourselves out of. Yeah, and do you think because of the situation we're in right now that people are moving, they're more um, accepting of the new way to do things? Because even like with the audit report, you know, like, like that being kind of old school now, um, because even something like just a zoom call used to be like crazy talk, you know, like there's no way we could, you know, audit like that. Um, so do you think people are, have you seen that anyway, more of a shift into, yeah, we're, I think we're going to be okay with that. Or is it, is that the idea of the audit report being old? Is that still kind of, uh, taboo, I guess. Yeah. I feel like I'm still pushing buttons when I suggest it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I tell somebody, just throw your audit report out, it's irrelevant. I get this look like you're crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think we're getting there, though. I mean, the truth is, when you look at what we just went through, it's shifted the way that we look at everything. You know, the idea that you have to have a closing meeting in person with everybody there around a boardroom table, well, that's gone. 
It's going to be a Zoom meeting. It's going to be people in their sweatpants. It's just the way it is, you know? And I think a lot of these things are going to have a longer-term cultural shift for the audit group as a whole. And I think we are going to get to that point where we understand that communication doesn't mean a paper. Communication means I got the point across, however that happens. And if that's, you know, throwing up some kind of a board where we have a quick, you know, whiteboard session with management and we put up the issues once a week and then we release them out to be followed up on. There's no need to have this, this formality that we've created for ourselves. Yeah, yeah that's really good. I, I'll tell you, I'm not a, like, I, I don't implement Agile necessarily. Mm -hmm. And when I was talking about the first time I like really saw it put in place was just that daily standup. It was when uh, about two months ago when this whole thing hit and mm -hmm. I was sitting beside my wife who is very much in an agile, uh, she implements Archer um, and they're very much into it. And the, the first time that, she, you know, they did that, she's like, oh, I got a 9am standup call every day and started telling me like yeah. how it works and stuff. I was like, this is awesome. And now we're like working right beside each other. So I hear like these little, you know, sprints and these kind of, and I'll be like, what's a sprint? And she'll tell me, and I'm like, how I've taken like agile training before relative audit and nobody is doing it like the way you guys are doing it. So mm -hmm. I'm a, a big fan just from almost osmosis of like hearing what's going on in the background. So I'm definitely going to start incorporating some of that stuff. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of research on my own too, and I found one book. <laughs> There's one book that I actually bought. It's called Active Auditing, a practical guide to lean and agile auditing. And this one's been really good because with this one book, it's really putting it back into the true concepts behind agile, where a lot of us, you know, and myself included, when we were talking about this with groups, we tend to dumb it down. Yeah. Because we're, we're bringing it back down to that point of here's where, here's where you can start. And we typically stay there. You know, you start by moving to a quarterly assessment. You start by speeding up your internal audit process. Like, how do you review? You don't wait till the end of the audit. You review in real time. You do these stand-ups at the end of each week, you know, for the retrospectives. You, you, you do these smaller pieces, but then we never really come back to address it as a whole. And, and that's now where we're going. Because I think enough departments have understood the basis of the process. They've been exposed to the concept. So now we can really move it forward. So is this something that you do as part of a, like a Teammate Plus implementation like if, if someone brought you in and said, hey, we want to do Teammate Plus, you know, we want to add Teammate Plus, and we also want to integrate Agile. Is that something that you do is help, like almost coach people through the implementation and also uh, the methodology change? Mm -hmm. We do, yeah. So we have, we have, you know, everybody's across the board on these types of things. So we have some groups that are looking to implement an Agile methodology. We have some that aren't quite comfortable with that yet. They're still in traditional waterfall style uh, processes. Um, and we're growing with it. So as more people have moved to it, we always build our software based on request. 
you know, what does the industry actually need? Right. And so we're in the process now of building in things like the burn down charts, the Kanban boards, all, all of those more sophisticated uh, levels of what agile can be. We've always had some aspects of it. You know, like we've always had some of these aspects around managing your, your audit in real time, not waiting until the end. The pieces are always there. It's just a matter of whether or not people took advantage of them. And now we've got more people using those aspects and doing things faster, like down in the details of the audit. So now we're trying to get them to start thinking about that bigger picture and really looking at your whole process and what are the roadblocks and, you know, what have you not gotten from your documentation request? What have you not gotten from a response on an issue? Like what, what is really your roadblocks? Right. And I think usually when we hear about teammate plus or Walter's Kluwer, it's usually teammate plus that we hear about. Mm -hmm. um, but like, what else do you guys have going on? I know I've seen an analytics tool. Is mm -hmm. there, uh, I guess, what other um, software do you guys offer? Yeah, so we've actually got, we've tried to cover the whole suite around uh, assurance. So what we actually include now is they've got teammate plus for audit that covers your risk assessment through your whole audit lifecycle. Uh, there's teammate plus for controls. That's really geared around those, those audit departments that are more engaged with the compliance side. They might be doing SOX work or something like that. Uh, so it's more heavily in, integrated with their control framework and working with the control owners and bringing them into the conversation. Um, we've also got then teammate analytics, which is what you're referring to. Uh, so teammate analytics we've built to close the gap between who can do analytics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for years and years, we saw that there was, you know, two, three people in a department that might have access to an analytics tool. And that's the only people who knew how to use it because it was hard to use. Yeah. You know, it required some coding. It required pretty deep technical expertise. Even myself, I learned how to use one of these tools 15 years ago. It's not like I could even begin to use one of these things now. Couldn't import a file right now to save your life. <laughs> Couldn't even open the application. Yeah. You know, it's like it, these things were just too complicated. Yeah. Um, and people got scared off. They looked at these and said, I don't have the expertise or it's not worth the effort. It's going to take me too long to build the test. I just want to get to work. And so they'd blow that stuff off and fall back on their sampling matrix and pull some files and dig into them. And now what we're seeing is the technology is advanced. And with teammate analytics, what we've done is we've built it out so that it's more uh, user-friendly, it's more interface-driven, it's more like wizards guiding you through how to perform the test and leading you through that process. So you don't have to worry about, well, how do I code something? Or, you know, I have to run three or four executable things to make a, make a file look right. Now it's just pick your wizard and run with it. And our goal was to get this in the hands of everybody and not just the few who actually had some kind of specific training because even in those cases, we saw that an analytics expert might have to take the first pass at the data and then they give it down to the field auditor who then had to do something else with it and they would rely on sampling. Yeah. You know, and they weren't really adding value to the whole process because they were still pulling that subset and they may or may not find something and it was hard to extrapolate out results. And it led to a lot of uh, you know, questioning from management of, okay, you found this one thing, but why should I care about that? Now with these analytics tools, because they've advanced so much, you can run the full data set and say, so I tested everything you've done this year, and here's everything that I found. And a lot of times we start with some of those simpler areas like expenses, because there's a lot of data, you always find something, yeah. um, you know, and, and you can come back and actually show some value and yeah. say like, I found 
this much in waste. I found this much in duplicate payments. I found whatever it might be. You know, you yeah. find something that has a direct impact to management and now they care. Yeah, because that's where the money is. Exactly. Yeah, go, where, go to where the money is. As I say, the other area that we're seeing a lot of use for this in non-financial data is even in things like system access testing. Because you can take a listing of all your users, a listing of you know everybody you have inside of an application, compare that to who's an actual employee in your company. And you find a lot of things like people who have left a long time ago but never got deactivated. You might find some places you have some cyber exposure. Like it's a really good place to start for people who are trying to get into this. And these tools make it just really, really easy. Yeah. And just a quick note on that because it's, and I've said this before, that term test where you test the entire population was mm -hmm. the first analytics test that I ever did in audit. And that was kind of the, the light bulb moment for me. Like we can test every one of these, you know? Yeah. Um, but what happened was, so this was in my public accounting days we did that test and um, it was fine for a couple years. And then the PCOB came back and said, Hey, you can't do that anymore because you're not testing the control. So this is relative to, to socks testing. Mm -hmm. um, you can't do it that way because you're not testing the control. You're inferring the control work. So you actually yep. do some level of testing. So I throw that out there because I've had people say, Hey, we are looking to, you know, ramp up our analytics within the SOX process. You know, what areas should we look at? Where do you, what are best practices, things like that? And I'm like, best practices, slow down and don't do it. You know, like you need to talk to the partners on the engagement, get their thoughts, um, see what the latest guidance is from the PCOB and make sure that you're not having to go back and redo that test. So outside of SOX testing, analytics is fantastic. And even within SOX, there are pieces that you can do. Um, but the idea of, you know, testing a control and relying solely on analytics um, might end up getting you in a little bit of trouble in terms yeah. of having to redo it down the road. So that's kind yeah, of a caveat there. Well, you know, and I would argue that part of, it's part of the story. So the way that we use, you know, thinking about how we might use analytics in a SOX program is if I'm going into it and I have something that I'm sampling into, I want to dig into the data and really see what's there. You know, if I'm looking at how people have performed some kind of a control, yes, I need to go and sit with them and actually see how that control is executed. But telling them the story with the analytics will tell you how well it actually worked. Yeah. And so when you look at both sides of it, if you're looking at like testing the design and testing the actual execution of that control, when you really get into the data, there's no more stories. It, it, it tells you exactly what happened. It's not theoretical anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's really using both sides of it of, using the analytics to get down to the details to really see what happened. Right. Completely agree. All right. Um, so I know you've seen, you've done a lot of implementations over, over your career. Um, you're, you know, you know, agile very well. Now you're familiar with analytics. One of the things that, that, that we do is add value through analytics. That's primarily what we do. Mm -hmm. And, one of the things we say is that we like change the perception of audit as a cost center. And the way we do that is with analytics uh, and being able to like, you know, recover cash or something to that effect. So what, in your experience, where have you seen or what can people take away in terms of how they can change the perception of audit as a cost center? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that we can do is working with bigger picture, working with management, the way that we actually deal with them and talk to them. So I absolutely agree. Analytics is where to start. It's a great way to show a direct impact because you're talking about their money. 
And so that, that immediately, you're talking ROI with management, you're speaking to them on their terms. And that's where you start. Um, but I really do think, like we talk about these terms all the time of being a trusted advisor, being a partner, all of these terms that we throw around. But what that really means is you're working directly with management and showing them where their, their exposures are. You know, if we had a group that, as a good example, we go through something like this uh, virus event that we just had. We're going through this pandemic and people were let go. Sometimes some audit departments were looked at as purely a cost center and not adding value. And a lot of those groups, what we find out when you start to dig into them is they were putting out these long-term plans and then just executing on that plan. They weren't really talking to management about risk. They weren't putting it in front of them and saying, these are the risks we found. These are how those risks have changed over time. These are the controls that were in place and speaking to them really on the risk and control end. They were talking about audit execution. And you know, if we put out a year long plan, here's the audits we wanna do, we got them done. Great job, you, you, know, you, you executed your plan. That's not really what they wanted to see though. What management was looking for is they wanted to know that the risks that I have as an organization that prevent me from meeting my goals and meeting my objectives, somebody was had my back. Somebody was looking at that stuff. And that's really what they wanted to see. And when we say partner with management, become a trusted partner, become an advisor, that's what we're talking about. You're telling them what they need to know so that they can continue to run the business. Yeah, that's an answer I haven't heard before, but that's a pretty brilliant answer. <laughs> Thank you. I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the uh, kind of getting towards the end here, this is just like your soapbox moment. So if there's anything we haven't hit on, that's just like you want to stand up on your soapbox and just kind of sound off. If we've already hit on it, and you want to expand on it a little bit, or if there's some other topic that you just kind of want to uh, get out there, uh, now's your chance if you want to. No, uh, what I would say is as we really look forward and we're looking at where we're going to go next, you know, we've talked a lot about how we use technology to move us forward and how we use technology to help make us better, more efficient, move up these maturity curves. But I think when we start to really then get down to that next level and start looking a little deeper in, probably the next area we need to focus a lot on is going to be on cyber risk. You know, one of the places that we see a lot of exposure, especially as we're going through strange times in the world where we've got people working from home a lot more, and a lot of these new things happening, we have more cyber risk exposure that we were never really exposed to before. Um, and we're seeing this across the board, both on the operational side, but also on the compliance end, where people are now questioning whether or not their SOC reports are gonna be okay, whether or not they're meeting HIPAA and PCI compliance and things like that, because we've got a remote workforce that we never had before. And we basically have expanded our landscape for attack. And so we've got new papers that are coming out, one that we just published through the IAA um, on cyber risk. We've got even more coming because we really do think that this is going to be the next area that we need to focus on. So what is, with cyber being kind of the next big thing, and I think it's something we all could probably admit is mm -hmm. the thing now and has been for a while. Is there anything else that Walters Kluwer is doing relative to cyber as far as providing guidance or tools or anything along that? Yeah, so what we're doing is we're looking at this right now from the thought leadership end of what do we need to make sure everybody knows and really exposing things out like the risks, the typical controls that we would see in place all the way down to some, some basic audit programs that people can start with. So really trying to give people a running start. So if you've not looked at this before, if it's still something that's a little bit foreign, we're trying to make it more accessible and easily understood. 
Uh, so with a lot of the papers that we're putting out and blogs and things that we're doing, we're trying to help people understand exactly what it is in layman's terms to really bring it down to the everyday auditor. So it's not something that's you know, strictly an IT audit function. We want everybody to know what they're looking at because exposure with this can happen in so many different places. We want everyone to have some awareness. Where, where's the best place that the listeners can find that material? Uh, teammatesolutions.com slash insights is the best place to go. And we're putting out content on this regularly. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.